Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Monday, the most important day of the week, and it's June or excuse me, July 3rd. Today is National Compliment Your Mirror Day, because who doesn't like to give yourself positive affirmations? It's also International Drop a Rock Day. I'm, I'm very curious about that one. National Fried Clam Day, National Eat Your Beans Day, and... International Plastic Bag Free Day. I guess everyone's today is day to go to the grocery store. And National Chocolate Wafer Day. Love me some chocolate wafers. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. We're live every Monday Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. Oh, excuse me. We are not on Clubhouse anymore. We are on Twitter Spaces, but we are not on Twitter Spaces today. We're I gotta figure something out on Twitter Spaces, but I apologize for that. But nonetheless, we are live on YouTube, and uh, we are gonna kick it off today. We are going to kick it off today. Let's see. Oh, there she is. Oh, yes. The lovely red-headed Gretchen Gailey from Panoptic Strategies who loves to dress up her dogs in all kinds of clown outfits and parade them up and down the streets of Washington, D.C. That's right. She's our very own Washington insider. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Mm, fantastic. Yay. Look at your hair, too. What's it doing? It it looks good today. Oh, thanks. It's a little (laughs) rough today. Well, I have a couple of headlines for y'all, but they're all related. So I'm very excited to start out with the Washington Post. Yes, I'm an old lady who still gets the paper, but this is very happy. Why can't I do this right? Fucking mirror thing. All right, there we go. It's a state holiday, Maryland recreational cannabis. Can't, I don't know. We, we, We see it. We can read it. Anyway, so... For anyone who knows, it's a big deal to get the front page here on the post, but this isn't the real front page. This is the metro section. But then if you go inside, this is all cannabis too, all pop, pop, pop. So big excitement here in D.C. and the surrounding area for uh, Maryland recreational sales that opened up on Saturday. My headline is coming from WBAL-TV, uh, the NBC station in Baltimore. Maryland sees long lines on first day of long legal recreational cannabis sales. 
There was a big turnout Saturday with lines out the door at some cannabis dispensaries in Maryland. The lines were long at Cuddle Off-Key Highway in downtown Baltimore and at Curio Far and Daughters Grand Open, opening in Timonium. It's exciting. Cannabis has changed my life professionally, personally, and for my health. So I'm ready for everyone else to experience that, Far and Daughter customer Ariana Foote said. It's the end of Prohibition, Far and Daughter customer Jerry Conway added. People were showing out for the first day of legal recreational marijuana sales in Maryland. We've added staff. We've added product. We've added security. We've put in a secure pickup window, Relief Shop co-founder and CEO Connor Welton told us. A Relief Shop in Baltimore City had a line wrapping around the corner. I think it's a historical event, Relief Shop customer Justin Cease told us. I'm glad today we could cut the middleman out and go straight in and get the access to the help that we need, Relief Shop customer Ronald said. Many dispensaries converted Saturday from a solely medical cannabis shop to adult use, too, including Verano, Zenleaf, and Elkridge. There's a lot more people, a bigger flow, but it still moves really fast. It's easy to get in and get out, according to Georgia Victor. I have not had a chance to go into a Maryland dispensary just yet, but I do plan on finding one and stopping by. I know a few people. Um, I have a friend. He went all the way out to Cumberland. Uh, and if anyone knows anything about Cumberland, it's in the hood or not. Well, the mountain hood. It's like in the cut is five hours away. And he went to a place out there, said lines were around the corner uh, for all those good rednecks up in uh, Western Maryland. So pots here in Maryland. Everyone's quite excited. Uh, everyone's excited by Westmore being the governor who has also fully embraced it. Hopefully we will see this legal rollout continue to go well. Um, this is Gretchen for Hide 9 News. Well, I'm excited for them. Uh, quick question. I don't know if I missed this or not, but did it say a total of dollar sales over the weekend? By I, I have not seen anything yet on what's been sold yet. Nope. And then how many um, locations are open out there for consumer purchasing? Uh, another number I don't know, but I want to say it's over 100. I want to say around 140 uh, or were um, medical places going to adult use. And then they also issued another uh, 36 licenses last week to also help with uh, more cultivation and processing and stuff that's going to come online for adult use. Nice. Very, very interesting. Digging. Maryland, uh, Maryland, Maryland. What else do you want to know? But I mean, if you think about this truly, uh, and I, as I, I'm pretty sure I have my dates right. Maryland legalized medical in like 2016 and mm -hmm. didn't get their junk up and running for another couple of years because they did not have a governor that was on board. Uh, the people who worked at their, I forget what it's called, the cannabis management group were all volunteers, not getting paid. I mean, it was just such a shitstorm. Um, so for adult use to come along as well as as it has. Um, that says a lot for having a governor who is backing you and really working to help get this up and running and cares about the market. Um, it's a shame that it took Maryland so long at this point. Um, but compared to Virginia, they're doing great. And D.C., well, D.C. is D.C. But that's, that's a pretty high per capita right there, 140 stores for Maryland. Like, Does Maryland even have like a million people in the state? Uh, Maryland has 6 million people, Jason Beck. Okay, 6 um, million people. It's not but a you lot. are correct in that they are, it's not a huge state, but it's a weird state. Like, geographically, it's very mm -hmm. long because it runs along, you know, the whole length of Pennsylvania all the way into West Virginia. Um, mm -hmm. And then it runs down the Atlantic Ocean as well. So yep. it's not 
your big, obviously, uh, populations are going to be in Baltimore um, and Annapolis. And to say Annapolis is a large population is ridiculous, but that's about it. There are no major cities in Maryland except for Baltimore. But isn't uh, isn't isn't uh, the the Chesapeake Bay is in Maryland? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I've been Uh, there before. It has 40,000 people. Does it only have 40,000? Yeah. Wow. So everyone lives around Baltimore and D.C. pretty much. Um, like there are tons of little towns throughout the state, uh, but when you get over into Western Maryland, you're getting much more into Appalachia area and the mountains, and you know it's not nearly as populated. Most of the people I know out there all live in Bethesda. Well, that is a suburb of Washington D.C., so that would go along with what I'm saying. That mm-hmm. Jay, are you in with the deep here. state, bro? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the deep state. There is some deep staters that live in Bethesda, but not not all of them. There's some patriots that live there too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wonderful day. And I think, frankly, Jason Beck, I think you should go a little out of order and go to Chris Eggers right after me because he also has a Maryland related story. You know so what? I think we should keep this nice. fun Maryland ball rolling. I'm, I'm not I'm not mad at that. I think I think we can definitely do that. I'm not 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 opposed to that. But man, it was a big, big week in Maryland. And, and yes, you are right. Chris Eggers does have some fascinating news in regards to Maryland. Chris, Chris, are you ready? Oh, I stay ready, Jason, so I don't have to get ready. All right. This is Chris Eggers. He's the founder of CC Security Solutions to where if you are in the cannabis space, you want to definitely have a consult with Chris to make sure that your business is as secure as humanly possibly that it can be because things happen. People like weed and shit happens. You know what I mean? That's right. Formerly law enforcement, now security expert, here to help the cannabis industry with CC Security Solutions. It is none other than the Christopher Eggers. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, at least on the West Coast morning. Happy Monday. Happy July 3rd. Uh, some good news out of Maryland. A new law means that officers cannot use mar- marijuana odor as probable cause to search vehicles. So with uh, adult use sales coming online on Saturday, uh, new law came into effect that law enforcement officers cannot use the odor of marijuana alone as probable cause to search a vehicle. Officers still will be able to search vehicles if they find probable cause another way, which is um, obvious. Lawmakers who passed the bill said that since the possession of marijuana will no longer be illegal, then the owner odor should not be a reason alone for police officers to search someone's car. Governor Westmore allowed the bill to become law without signing it. Now, of course... Law enforcement agencies are critical of this change, saying that it limits officers' abilities to do their jobs. I uh, wholeheartedly disagree with this stance, and I'll I'll speak on that uh, shortly. Uh, Harford County Sheriff uh, Jeffrey Goller predicts that there will be an increase in violent crime, saying that many of the firearms they take off the streets come from those searches alone. Um, And then there's some stats later on this article I found to be interesting. He says, quote, uh, we as a profession rem- remove so many illegal possessed fire lo- firearms from the hands of criminals who are going to uh, who are going down the road because of the odor of marijuana. Now, according to their stats, deputies recovered 19 guns since March 2020 in vehicle searches that began as a result of the odor of marijuana, giving them probable cause. Uh, he said that while marijuana itself does not cause violence, the criminal element around the illicit market and selling the drug is dangerous. Um, now defense criminal defense attorney, Brian Thompson said in this article that, uh, time will tell whether the illicit market continues to be, 
uh, as big of a factor. Um, there will be a, let's see, the 9% sales tax for adult use cannabis. Um, I don't know. I disagree with this um, wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I no, I'm sorry. I agree and I'm happy that this law uh, goes into effect. I'm ecstatic that officers cannot search because of the odor of marijuana alone. I disagree wholeheartedly with the stance uh, that this sheriff in particular is taking. Uh, I think it's a good time to remind law enforcement officers that your job is not to uh, create laws or, in my opinion, even have an opinion about the law, but to enforce the laws that are on the books, um, except for when discretion uh, should trump that and common sense should trump that. So, you know, I'm not shocked to hear that this uh, one sheriff uh, is speaking on the profession as a whole, saying that this is a bad idea. Um, I'm super pumped that this is going to affect it's it's common sense. If you can legally legally possess something, then that something should not be used uh, to search you or your car. So my hope is that um, this gets a little bit more publicity because I hope that the people of Maryland understand that their uh, what their new rights are. And, you know, for law enforcement out there, specifically in Maryland, uh, because we're talking about Maryland, you know, your job is is not your job is to just, you know, do your job. The laws change, deal with it. Um, I remember when I was working, I believe in San Francisco, when possession of crack cocaine from, became uh, a misdemeanor from a felony. I was like, great. Okay, cool. I don't have to book anybody on that anymore if I, uh, if I come across it. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I think this is good. I think it's common sense. And I hope that this gets pushed out there more. That's my story for today. Uh, happy to share it and uh, curious what, what y'all think. Well, <clears throat> it's exciting to me because we have seen a few states start to take this stance. Mm -hmm. And it's um, one of the very few regulations that we can put our stamp of approval on and say, this is common sense. This makes sense. A lot of the rules that surround our industry don't. <laughs> and so I am very thankful to the state of Maryland for being progressive and really making smart decisions. Great comments. I think we, we they should take it one step further. And I believe it was, I want to say Chicago PD or maybe NYPD. I'm sorry, I forget off the top of my head that um, released a memo straight from the chief that, you know, educated officers that this is, this is now, you know, the way uh, business is conducted. This is now the law. So, you know, don't go into people's pockets. Don't go into cars. Um, don't search because of odor alone. So yes, this is not the first you know, we've seen this this happen more and more, and and I think it makes sense. Totally, totally agree with you, Mandy. I think that they should just. I think law enforcement agencies from the top should be proactive and push this out because, you know, we cannot assume. And I can tell you right now, um, you know, officers don't know what the Fourth Amendment is. You know, they don't know what search and seizure means. Um, you know, and and there's dirty searches happen, um, and ignorance of the law is not an excuse, and that goes for cops too. But does it really go for cops if they're it the should. ones that's enforcing it? <laughs> it should. It should. Yeah, but it sh whether or not it should or shouldn't is whether or not it does or doesn't. In practice, that's still pretty imperfect, yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, yeah. But I think this is a huge victory. I mean, this is great. I mean, we have this here in California. Um, I don't think law enforcement should ever be using the smell of cannabis to um, – to, determine whether or not someone's impairment or whatnot anything like that i'm i'm very very much against so that i think you can just easily pull them out of the car and do a simple sobriety che check to see if whether or not those types of drivers are impaired but you know there, there's so many times that 
um, someone could could have smoked in a car or smoked in the car, and you're just in the car, and it just happens to smell like weed, and you don't even have any weed in the car. It's just it's it's a very very imperfect system in the way of using this the aroma to be able to distinguish a search. Yep, and and you know at least in California, um, field sobriety tests, roadside field sobriety tests are voluntary. Mm-hmm. Um, against impaired driving um i am pro safe driving my father was hit by a drunk driver my earliest memories of my dad was was crawling around the house um as a result of being hit by a drunk driver i'm against impaired driving but the laws are the laws and um field sobriety tests are are 100 voluntary in california that's great great advice uh and jason i want to give an update to oh, the story please. I did last week regarding Marilyn, where I believe it was you, shocker, who didn't believe me when I told you what they're doing in Maryland is all dispensaries must become adult use. People cannot stay medical only or they lose their license. And the purpose behind this is they want people to transition and make cannabis accessible to everyone in the state to try and deal with the illicit market. Now, what they are doing to help benefit patients, so there is still medical cannabis, Okay, um, is they are, a number of the dispensaries are offering medical patient hours uh, where they can go in specifically just for medical patients. Uh, they are also, you still can apply for your medical card for specific um, uh, conditions, qualifying conditions. And Maryland, and I'm not sure what the limit is. I have to double check on this. There is a THC limit on adult use products in Maryland. So mm. medical They have a THC cap, you're telling me? Yes, Ooh. that is what I just said. Okay, just but, confirming. Hold on. What mm-hmm. they are doing for medical patients is if you're a medical patient, you can exceed the cap. Uh, so you are allowed hey. to use products that go above the THC cap, but you have to be a medical patient to purchase those. Stop the cap! <laughs> Stop well, the cap! Make, well, for those who make the argument that you need to stop the cap so patients can get their medicine, that's has addressed it i mean i don't know about all that i think i think thc caps are just ridiculous in general and and don't come from any type I will, of I will um, look into the cap and they, they, they don't come from any type of uh um medical uh reasoning they just come from uh, ideologues basically mm-hmm. and uh I, i'm i'm not for for that let, let the people choose what the people want to choose and let them have the freedom to do that now i'm i am confused though gretchen why are they making it certain hours for medical patients? Because that just seems like you're making it more difficult on the medical patient to where they can only access their medicine as a patient under certain hours. No, it's not that they can only go those hours, but they're having specific medical hours if you want. That, if you want like a uh, medical consultation type of thing, you want yeah, to speak that kind with of a service. You want to, you know, a little more privacy or something. I don't know uh, to talk more with people. Yeah, so it's like. It's like when they have the lap swim at the public pool. Sure, grandma can go and swim laps whenever she wants, but if she goes at five o'clock, she's not going to have a kid jumping on her head. Mm-hmm. I it, thought it was it more. Was, it was the COVID shopping one, didn't? <laughs> didn't during COVID, like the peak of COVID shutdown, there was like certain hours for, uh, you know, shopping and grocery stores. I mean, there was they a did, lot of kind did, of stuff like that. Did have senior shopping hours? Yeah, there was earlier hours for seniors and uh, medically fragile individuals it's messed up they made all those old people wake up extra early they already get up at 4 a.m <laughs> <their bodies warm laughs> <up. laughs> that sounds like a big stereotype there gretchen it's, 
it's Jay, my dad's been up for five hours. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I've been up, I've been up for for that many hours too. Well, just saying, you're you're an old soul. You're an old soul. Anyway, I mean, I mean, you did guys we put money just... on this bet that I knew nothing about what was going on in Maryland, Jason Beck, and I'm right again. So there's another hundred dead. No, she wants another hundred dollars, no, please. No, and bucks, no, please. no, no. I feel no, like Gretchen nice doesn't try. even have to work anymore. She just yeah. has to make bets with yeah. Jason Beck. Yeah, <laughs> 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 the case, Mandy, if Jason ever paid him out. <laughs> I paid all. I paid all my bets that you've actually have won. Bullshit. Uh, yeah. Bullshit. Bullshit. Run the tape. Run the tape. You 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 get it in the mail. Run the tape. Uh huh. Run it, run it, run it. Um, I, where we just dissect the bets and, mm -hmm. and really, really get to the bottom of this. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Gretchen will probably end up owing me some money because I will have forgotten about some of the bets that she probably didn't oh, pay please. on. Uh huh. Please. I have not made one bet that I've lost. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't one. know about that. That's definitely not true. Definitely There's not one true. One thing, Gretchen Gilly is always right. I don't know about that. It's Jason Beck is always right. And if Jason is ever wrong. <laughs> Referral back to rule number one. Rule number one is Jason Beck is always right. Rule number two, if Jason Beck is ever wrong, refer back to rule number one. <laughs> uh huh. I think we have. A, I think we have a commercial. Don't we have a commercial, Adam? Yeah, let's go to a commercial. We'll be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Chris, did you get a new, new camera or something, Chris? Did you get a new camera, Chris? You're on mute. You're on mute, Chris. No one can hear you. There we go. I said no. I was thinking about my breakfast sandwich. Oh, okay. All right. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. You did not get a new a new camera though. You look extra crispy today, Chris. Oh, I, I I've been on the boat the last couple of days. So. Oh, you've been on the boat. Oh, so you got tan. Oh, yeah. oh you've been out tanning, okay. getting ready, getting ready for the Fourth of July, one of the best holidays of the year tomorrow. Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you all about freedom. I have I have an interesting story about freedom. You guys ready for this? Well, for all of our friends out there in the great state of Connecticut, your day is about to get better because Connecticut residents can legally grow marijuana at their home starting this weekend. And here's what you need to know. And that went into effect this past weekend, not this weekend coming up. So you in Connecticut, you can officially now cultivate cannabis in your home. Connecticut's adult use cannabis market continues to blossom. Starting Saturday, July 1st, adults will be allowed to grow marijuana plants at home. The State Department of Consumer Protection is urging residents to do so responsibly. Adults who choose to grow their own cannabis should use safe and healthy gardening practices for growing any products they intend to consume, said DCP Commissioner Brian T. Caffarelli. In a statement, plants should also be kept indoors. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the indoor plants out of reach, out, out of reach and out of sight of children and pets. Adults 21 years and older can grow up to three mature and three immature plants at home with a maximum of up to 12 plants per household. 
I really want to know what their definition of is mature and immature in regards to plants. But nonetheless, Connecticut legalized adult use cannabis back in July of 2021 and adult use sales began in January. Under the new law, the plants must be grown indoors in a secured and locked area. The plants may not be visible to the public. And sales of adult use cannabis surpasses the state's medical medical cannabis sales for the first time in May. State cannabis retailers saw adult use sales more than double during that month compared to sales during January, the first month of adult use cannabis sales in Connecticut. Adult use sales have also increased every month with the state in May, reporting $11.5 million in sales. Meanwhile, the average retail price of cannabis products has dropped, according to the DCP. In January, the average adult use price was $44.61, and that fell to $39.47 in May. On Monday, Governor Ned Lamont signed legislation making various changes to Connecticut's laws around adult-use cannabis, hemp, and medical cannabis. The law goes into effect on July 1st, and under the new regulations, Connecticut will now have a cannabis a cannabis ombudsman working within the Office of Health Care Advocate. The ombudsman will represent the interest of qualifying medical cannabis patients and caregivers. The legislation also defines who may serve as a medical cannabis caregiver, reforms rules uh, used to determine social equity applications for new business located in areas disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs, and modifies advertising and labeling requirements for cannabis in the state. So a lot going on in Connecticut, but now if you're a Connecticut uh, resident... You can now grow at home. So congratulations, home growers in Connecticut. You can now play in the dirt. That's right. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think about this? Anytime someone can grow their own medicine, that is a huge win. I mean, um, I absolutely just have to note that I don't know what it is about the word ombudsman, but I really love it. And I think that that's what we should be calling our bud tenders. What, what is the definition? What is the definition of Ohms Budman? Because this is the first time I've ever even heard this word. I love that word. I don't know why, but I've always loved that word since I was a kid. I was like, what? What? What are they talking about? Ombudsman is an official who is usually appointed by the government or parliament to investigate complaints, attempt to resolve them through recommendations or mediation. So it's just kind of a guy who's doing outreach and trying to uh, settle issues before they go get out of control. Like sounds, mediator. Sounds like a very regal term, Matthew St. Like a weed concierge for the state instead of the hotel. You I think know? it would yeah. be a perfect name for bud tenders. I'm an ombudsman. Yes. It's like they've recently changed it to ombuds. I feel like... Mm-hmm. I feel like that'd be like... Or a, you could just go with ombud. I feel like that would be the... I feel like that would be the name of a cannabis detective. Om, uh, <laughs> yeah. Om, uh, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about this, Gretchen? People in Yay, Connecticut, Connecticut, being able to yeah. grow their own weed at home. Are you excited? And I agree with Mandy. Everyone should be able to grow their own weed at home. I don't know how successful they'd be at growing their own weed, but go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can grow a tomato. I should be able to grow weed. I I, I agree yeah. with that. It's American. It's all about freedom, and we're going to celebrate America. it big time tomorrow. Yeah. Now, 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 the, the the thing though that that I'm really con, con, confused about is this definition of mature and immature. Because, to my understanding, the Department of Agriculture defines a mature plant as being ready for harvest. So, under that definition, 
wouldn't all plants be de- technically immature up until the point of harvest where they would be then mature? And so, therefore, you could cultivate up to 12 plants legally because that is what the state is saying. And as long as you don't get, you know, uh, raided by the cops on your harvest day, you should be all right, right? Sure. What do you think about this, Chris? You have any thoughts on this, Chris Eggers, former law enforcement? What do you think? Trying to catch up to everything you just said, and okay, and, so so Chris so, Eggers, would you ever like, have to go into a house and be like, "All right, is this plant mature or immature?" Have you ever no, encountered no. that situation? No. Okay, would but, you be able to make that call if you had to encounter that situation? Mm, good question. I mean, it depends on if Jason Beck's defining it or someone else is defining it, right? Well, I mean, the the, the definition of 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 a mature plant is means that it's it's ready for harvest. That's that. That's the federal government's definition of a mature plant. Okay. Not something I've dealt with. Usually, when the cops come in, they're you know, not really trying to actually ass- assess that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't even think this has been. Right? Like, it's not even been a question until recently. If you just had weed, it was you're in trouble. It didn't matter how big the plant was. Even still, right? man. Even still, they'll just come cut it down and let the courts solve it. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah, really into like weighing things. They're just they're into like. Executing well, their their kind of cultural mission, and, but they could uh, they, they could face a serious lawsuit if they come in and these these plants yeah, aren't right. mature. I'm Does sure happen. Serious. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like in D.C., I don't believe that we differentiate at all. You're allowed six plants. That's the rule per adult. They don't really get into mature, immature, and I think that's more the route that state should go. Frankly, I I, I agree with that I part. Think mature is immature is in the eye of the beholder. I think. I think people should only have three mature tomato plants. Okay. <laughs> I think we need a tomato plant commission. Yeah. Federal tomato plant commission. I think people are growing. Right I, I have a friend who's growing 35 tomato plants. I don't mean to snitch on him. That's that's That's, that's, that's just out of control. Yeah. What's he going to do? He's, he's surely growing these tomato plants for commercial purposes. No. Have you not I'm seen so... Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? This could get way out of hand. <laughs> See? I love that movie when I was little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just, I can't. I can't. I think everyone in Connecticut should grow 13 plants. I think everyone mm-hmm. in California should grow at least eight plants. Like, yeah. screw their numbers, man. Screw the numbers. Grow plants. And even if you don't grow, like Gretchen was saying, even if you don't grow great weed, even if you don't end up uh, wanting to smoke the weed you grow, being tied to the na- to nature, to the soil, to the plant, to these organic processes, for an organic living being, there's nothing but win in it for everybody. Very true. Very true on that. Very, very true on that. Well, I think we've... Uh, well, I, I got one more question. Oh, please. Please, Gretchen. We got time, Jason. By all Why means. Not? By all means. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask St. Germain, are you, because I think he's a, probably a better grower than you are, Jason Beck. Yeah, right. Um, what, what if you live in, you know, say our nation's capital, where the humidity is 100 fucking percent every day of the summer? This would not be a great place to grow weed, would it? It could, oh. be, it could be difficult, but what you could do is you could look at land race sativas, uh-huh. Stuff that comes from Thailand or Jamaica or India, southern India, you know, not in the hills of the Himalayas, but plants that are, uh, come from these locations that are used to growing in, in these conditions. And if you look, a lot of people in Hawaii would, would grow like Dutch treat and other real sativa-leaning genetics because they grow fluffier. They're much more uh, resistant to molds and mildews. Oh. Also grow indoors with, with uh, uh, LEDs. No, I, have you seen the size of my closets? Growing indoor is not an option. <laughs> yeah, I grow some indoor. That's I live right. in a Capitol Hill townhouse. That ain't happening. Um, Gretchen, I got a thousand square feet on a good day. Gretchen, I think you some gonna, haze genetics. I think you're going to huh? be a little upset, Gretchen. What now? Nick Bradley is saying that you're wrong. 
your your little boyfriend saying that you're wrong it says when gretchen you are that? wrong there dc differentiates mature and immature plants he's saying well nick bradley i believe i live here and i know better than you do so suck a nut Mm. <laughs> <laughs> i know what nick would like to suck on i bet um, uh, <laughs> i'm just saying oh yeah then that's why she's a feisty Ooh. red-headed conservative oh that. yeah oh. had the coffee this morning from chick-fil-a love mm -hmm. it oh chick-fil-a uh, chicken biscuit <laughs> mm. good that gets me going. Yes. What? That's oh, the too... chicken biscuit with some honey. Mm -hmm. Best breakfast sandwich ever. Oh boy. And 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 really, um, Gretchen, to your point, it's 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 yes, most sir. it's mostly about um getting the proper dehumidification devices in place to actually no, I hear you cultivate an ultimate environment. Frankly, I I prefer the sun, Jason Beck, and you really don't though. Natural. You really don't. That's natural. not true. You just think that it's you genetics, do. you guys. No, Hayes, no, genetics. No, yeah, you no, just think no, that you do. No. Yeah. In Vietnam for a vacation and score some yeah. seeds when you're there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and uh, and Nick Bradley says, uh, I literally looked up the law there, chick. Oh, hey, <laughs> whatever he feels like. Let's put some money on this, Nick Bradley. Oh man, I'm. Oh man, action, action, action. Are you are you with this, Nick? Stephen Beck loves any action that doesn't involve him. So, 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 what are you talking about, man? I'm all about all the action. I'm an equal opportunity actionist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm paying it off. I bet, I bet, I bet. Yeah, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to come right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh yeah, whatever you're doing, make sure you hit subscribe to this channel and make sure that you tap that like button, give us some love. Also too, um, on our website, check it out, www.hyatt9news.com. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter. It goes out every Saturday. Uh, we cover a few, some of the top stories of the week to help you keep you engaged and make sure you know exactly what's going on. And on, on our community note, community note, we're encouraging as many people as possible to participate with the Global Day of Compassion, and that's going to be on Sunday, July 30th. Um, where they collect donations to reach out to elderly citizens in the community and make sure they know that their love needed, appreciated, and have supplies that they need. They also do a movie night in the park that evening as well. All families um, are, are welcome to attend. Uh, children are all fed. There will be a number of different um, uh, community leaders in, involved uh, in attendance. And this this project, this Global Day of Compassion, benefits the Baldwin Hills community. And the Baldwin Hills is the only area in Los Angeles with over 850 apartment buildings, all which house 30 to 40 units per building, and a lot of those are low-income housing. So we do want to make sure that uh, that this is that this uh, event is super super successful. And if you are interested in participating, please uh, reach out to us here at the show or send me a text message, anything else like that. But uh, it is it is a big thing, and we want to make sure that it's a very very successful event. And with that, we're going to go to our next commercial.
Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. It is Carmen Sacramento. That's right. It's Mandy Tingler. She's a cannabis executive, a mom, and so, so, so much more. And you're about to find out with her little story today. Oh, yes. That's right. She's the woman that loves to show how a executive lifestyle, being a mom, and cannabis can all go hand in hand. That's right. It is none other than the Mandy Tingler. You're on mute, Mandy. You're on mute. Oh, there we go. There we go. About muting when you guys are doing your story, and I forget to undo it for myself. <laughs> but good morning, everybody. I have some really exciting news coming to us out of Australia today. Our headline reads, Australia is the first country to let patients with depression or PTSD be prescribed psychedelics. Australia is now the first country to allow psychiatrists to prescribe certain psychedelic substances to patients with depression or post-traumatic stress disorder. Beginning Saturday, Australian physicians can prescribe doses of MDMA, also known as ecstasy for PTSD. Psilocybin and the psychoactive ingredient in psychedelic mushrooms can be given to people who have had hard-to-treat depression. The country put these two drugs on the list of approved medicines by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. Scientists in Australia were surprised by the move, which was announced in February but took effect on July 1st. The scientists said it puts Australia, quote, at the forefront of research in this field. This Langmead... Deputy Director of Neuromedicine's Discovery Center at the Monash Institute of Pharmaceutical Sciences, said there have been very few advancements on treatment of persistent mental health issues in the last 50 years. The growing cultural acceptance has led two U.S. states to approve measures for their use. Oregon was the first to legalize the adult use of psilocybin, and Colorado's voters decriminalized psilocybin in 2022. Years ago, President Joe Biden's youngest brother said in a radio interview that the president has been very open-minded, quote, in conversations on the, on the two and <clears throat> in conversations the two have had about the benefit of psychedelics as a form of medical treatment. U.S. Food and Drug Administration designated psilocybin as a, quote, breakthrough therapy in 2018, a label that's des- designed to speed the development and review of drugs to treat a serious condition. Psychedelic researchers have benefited from federal grants, including Johns Hopkins, and the FDA released draft guidance late last month for researchers designing designing clinical trials testing psychedelic drugs as a potent treatment for a variety of medical conditions. Still, the American Psychiatric Association has not endorsed the use of psychedelics in treatment, noting the FDA has yet to offer a final determination. 
Medical experts in the U.S. and elsewhere, Australia included, have cautioned that more research is needed on the drug's efficacy and that the extent of the risks of psychedelics, which can cause, or can cause hallucinations. There are concerns that evidence remains inadequate and moving to clinical service is premature. Incompetent or poorly equipped clinicians could flood the space. Treatment will be unaffordable for most. Formal oversight and training, treatment, and patient outcomes will be minimal or ill-informed, said Dr. Paul Linitsky, head of Monash University Clinical Psychedelics Lab. Thus, drugs will be expensive in Australia, about $10,000, roughly $6,600 US dollars per patient for treatment. Zanaski said that the opportunity for Australians to access the drugs for specific conditions is unique. His excitement about drug policy pro progress, he said, about the pro prospect of being able to offer patients more suitable and tailored treatment without the constraints imposed by clinical trials, rigid protocols. Guys, Australia has been really on the cutting edge of moving the psychedelic initiative forward. Right now, you can go in and conduct research, and you don't have to get approval from the government. You just have to notify them that you're doing it. I'm really excited. This is Carmen Sacramento for the Hyatt Nine News. What do you guys have to say about Australia and this psychedelic movement? I think this is great news, and, and at the same time, uh, the same thing's happening in America. We need to stay awake and aware that, uh, number one, not everybody actually has trauma and needs uh, psychedelics for trauma. Some of us want to do it for fun and or spiritual edification. Um, secondly, they're saying about the price and the costs are very true, and the same thing's happening with MAPS, where the pharmaceutical model involves into $12,000 or more of, of talk therapy as well as five dollars to $10,000 worth of single or double dose of psilocybin or MDMA. And so it's going to be important for people to continue to access and provide access for these these chemicals, these tools, and these plant teachers without the pharmaceutical model. This will give people a little bit more legal defense. But personally, I'm looking to forward to the point where we're allowed to mediate and modulate our consciousness with whatever molecules we choose as human beings. So a question here, just to be clear on U.S. policy. So the states that have legalized, are they've just decriminalized, right? They are not actually allowed to be prescribed. Is that correct? Oregon has a basically a, a drug legalization. You can just go do whatever you want there. But everywhere else, uh, uh, they're, they're moving more and more towards a medical model. Are but the, the differentiation between us and Australia is they're telling doctors they can do it or to prescribe it. Yeah, it would That's be like if the maybe? FDA had, had rescheduled everything, Schedule 2, and you could go yeah. get a prescription for for psychologist hmm. it's mean, definitely a good step because a lot of times it's exciting times now people have a lot of trauma and psychedelics yeah. can help them with it if you go i've down the main street of any any big city you'll see it for yourself one major concern i have about this is that they're talking about <clears throat> long-term mental health issues that haven't responded to other treatment now Let's be really frank. If you're truly suffering from a real chronic mental health condition, the chances are that you're going to be dealing with some major financial challenges too. And let's talk about cost and accessibility. I mean, it's great, but right now it seems it's just accessible to the wealthy. So Australia, good move forward. <laughs> Pushing. Doesn't surprise me that it's only accessible to the wealthy. Not a surprise at all. 
lot of a lot of rich Australians out there. A lot of those. No, I think I they have. I think they have state problem. medical care too. So if they have state medical care, most likely it'll be covered and free to all Australian citizens. Oh, that's just speculation, though, Matthew. You don't know if that's going to be covered by by insurance or not yet. Let me let me Google it. Yeah, please, 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 please Google it because I'm willing to bet that it's not. Okay, I'm willing to bet that it's not that this is a subsect of a subsect of a subsect, and therefore it is it will be a out of pocket expense. Mm hmm. Is Doctor Felicia yep. uh, with us today, or listening in? Do we? Know? I don't. I don't see her. But we we're not on the Twitter Spaces right now today. Um, I got to figure something out on my phone. Twitter Twitter's acting up, so unfortunately she's not. But I just wonder what what's your question though, Christopher? What Doctor Felicia has to say about this? Oh, okay. All right. Just 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 a wondering statement. Got it. I thought you yeah. had a specific oh, question. No, no, no. Dr. Mary would be a good uh, person oh, to speak to this yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. I would just mental so health care services are available for free to Australian citizens as part of their national health care system. So the moment this is prescribed by a doctor in Australia it would then be accessible by an Australian citizen because they have much more sane medical policy for their citizens. I'm not sure about that when it comes to some of the things that I've seen over there. But you know what? I don't think this is the time or the place for all of that. <laughs> I mean, Matthew, but don't, don't they, don't they say, Sir? don't they say in this that, that, um, that, that it's not, it's not for like, just like random purposes. It's like, it's, it's, you have to use it under a doctor's care, under a doctor's supervision the whole time and, and all that. So it's not like you can just be like, oh, I'm going to take some psychedelics and go about my day. And they're looking at right now at single and double dose therapy. So it would be, again, it would be weeks or longer of, of talk therapy and then one or two doses and then follow-up therapy. Mm -hmm. So it's not carte blanche to even use the, use the substances, but they do have amazing breakthroughs in, in trauma recovery paired with talk therapy. And that's where a lot of people, a lot of people take psychedelics and, and then offers them a temporary escape from some of their trauma, some of their PTSD, some things are going through and people get this state where they think they're enlightened and they forget that moment you're enlightened terrific we still have infinity it's time to go do the dishes right mm -hmm. and and a lot of people what i would see too is a lot of people would really be seeing the message and and just finding a ton of other drugs with their psychedelic usage because it's really like a blowout valve and an attempt to uh cover these wounds and and so i think a lot of people actually again do need therapy and and follow-up care uh, after doing psychedelics so they can really use it to to resolve their trauma and to get to well, a point you Matthew, wouldn't you say that the it's like you're saying to unlock it, but then you got to work through it. Like the you have drugs to do, give you the yes. the keys to open the door, but you still need to do the work, right? This is how I look at it, right? Like if if we look at let's pretend like we're on a flat plane, okay, and and that's our existence, and we're a vector, we're we're headed in a direction. I, it's my thought or analogy that when you take psychedelics, it's like you get to climb up in a little tower and you get maybe three or four stories worth of view. Now you can kind of see up and above this plane, and you can see where you really want to head. And again, a lot of people will get this mistake of like, ooh, I saw the the end of my journey. Now I'm enlightened. I'm I'm good, right? And that's just falling prey to the ego again and, and kind of getting back into the thing. Mm -hmm. But what you really do is you have to climb down that tower your best to memorize that vector you were looking at, that location, that journey, and then do the daily work every day. That's why I really stress in, in any type of uh, outreach I do in, in to the public, it's daily discipline. Do the dishes. Work out every day. Make your bed. Wake up in, in 
Cultivating your willpower and cultivating your daily discipline, what you end up doing is up-leveling your own life. And because you are operating at a higher level for yourself, you begin to have that effect, both mm -hmm. inspiring other people to up-level their lives and also just like adding more smiles and more ease to other people's days. And if everybody were to do that, it's my belief that we'd start living a, something closer to a golden age. Totally. That's right. Drugs, but also do the dishes. It's a message to all your kids. Make sure you're doing your chores. Take out the trash and do the dishes. That's right. Oh, yeah. Well, coming up. Um, I just want to say before my article is concluded that this has nothing to do with what my article had to say, but last Friday I saw the most awesome T-shirt ever. It said, just say perhaps to drugs. <laughs> perhaps. Oh, man. Would you wear that, Chris? Oh, yes. You bet. I'm yeah. a size large. A size large. All right. <laughs> we should just have nine shirts made that say, say perhaps. Say perhaps. Say yeah. perhaps. Oh, man. You know what? We are going. Do we have it? We, we're done with commercials, right, Adam? Yeah, we're all done with commercials. We're rolling right in to, that's right, it's the Count himself, the immortal Transylvanian man, Mr. Matthew St. Germain, who's been around longer than any of us here that's right because he is the immortal count that's right it is the count of saint germain mr matthew saint germain thank you brother jason happy monday everybody i had to get ready for that fallout with the no uh, applause track since brother rico who's not here oh hold on a second i've got it <laughs> okay so i got an amazing story i'm really looking forward to listening to uh, what everybody has to say here there's a cannabis company once worth $19 billion, and it is now so beleaguered that an analyst predicts its stock is heading to zero. Canopy growth shares were under pressure for a second day as analysts questioned whether the Canadian cannabis grower could reduce its cash burn and turn around operations. Benchmark slashed its price target on the firm to zero. Stock has dropped 78% this year amid a broader sell-off in the increasingly competitive marijuana market. Little progress on federal le legislation in the U.S., unchanged at 68 cents per share on Monday. The market capitalization has slumped from 25 billion in 2021, less than 400 million, leading to its expulsion from the S&P TSX composite index earlier this month. Note Monday, cutting its price target to zero, benchmark analyst Mike Hickey said Canopy Growth Management was unlikely to be able to turn around performance. Firm, which acknowledged a going concern risk in its most recent annual report, may not be able to continue operations and may not be able to meet its financial obligations, he wrote. The company's aggressive expansion into the U.S. could be a signal of desperation, given that the U.S. market remains fairly illegal, he said. But he didn't immediately respond to a request for comment Monday afternoon. And if the U.S. were to legalize immediately, it would be no savior for Canopy, which is burning cash despite multiple cost-cutting programs. Uh, so... Uh, benchmark also trimmed its current stock price uh, from 60 cents to a target of 45 cents. So it might be time to get some hedging bets out there, y'all. Um, other than that, I, I think this this kind of just shows again a lot of money came into the space uh, at the beginning, similar to the dot com bubble. And I see, I think we're seeing a real reckoning with um, both our set of legalization regulations as well as the inability for most larger scale manufacturers to meet quality concerns. Really interested to what uh, to hear what you guys have to say. This is Matthew Saint Germain for a Monday, High at Nine News. This is not good news for Canopy Growth at all whatsoever. You said their stock was at zero. No, they're saying they're predicting it to possibly go to zero. Right now, it's at sixty-eight cents. I'm saying within the next month, it's probably going to be about forty-five cents per. Show. 
St. Germain, did it say what it was at its highest at all? It did, it did not, but uh, if somebody wants to do the math, they they had uh, $25 billion and now they have four hundred. A, a tiny percentage. I would guess they had been trading for some few dollars per share. Mm-hmm. I've seen and heard, you know, second and third hand heard me about some really dumb investments that Canopy got into. You know, they scooped up a bunch of of these initial offerings that were really losing, but had a a nice facade. You know, the whole Wizard of Oz. Yeah, they had a sweet LED wall, and then the moment you look behind that thing, it's just a bunch of pre rolls made out of cardboard. Yeah, gels. bunch of bunch of boof. Oh, giant super oh. distillate play, you know. There's exactly. all those spots they bought at the beginning, which was like, you wrote all these numbers on a spreadsheet, and we're gonna make more distillate than anybody. And, mm-hmm. and all those guys are yelling with their million dollar distil- distillate miracle machines. Gretchen, I think uh, Canopy Growth is part of that uh, part of that new super PAC that just started. Are they gonna be able to participate with that new super PAC with uh, their stock price like this? Uh, sure. Sure, they're gonna have money Why for not? that. They're gonna have money for that. I mean, they ain't paying it for anything else, so they might as well spend it on some lobbying for, you know, a last <laughs> couple dying breaths. <laughs> oh, man. We'll I oh. mean, it's their only hope, I would say, at this point, right? It's pretty, I mean, that's, I would think so. I mean, but, you know, because. Did, did it say when it's going under St. Germain? Uh, again, they predicted by the end of the year it would be at zero, end but that's just year. a prediction from uh, a stock analyst. However, it's been it's uh, and again, this is not financial advice because I'm a dude who's smoking hash joints at nine <laughs> in the morning. Uh, you know, if the price is, is trending down that hard, you could place hedging bets against. But it's called shorting. If you shorting, go broke, short they, the stock. they all of a sudden crack it, dude. I'm real sorry. You can come live at my house or something. Yeah, short short it all, short it all. All right. Need a new disclaimer that Saint Germain is not dispensing mm-hmm. financial financial. Advice. Yeah, we. I think everybody knows that already, Matthew. I think that's just kind of common common knowledge, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think this is a good, you know, example for folks. Uh, people are always asking, "Is it too late to get into cannabis?" Uh, I mean, I mean, know, I doctors are the ones who are dying, so now's the time right to now, clean up the carcasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is when oh. oligarchs are made. Let's do this. Oh man, she just, she just. I'm just a uh-huh. Conrad, so that's I don't know. Just a Conrad, that's right. She's looking for an oligarch to sponsor her. That's right. <laughs> that's why I mean, she's that's a Conrad. When the shit hits the fan, that's when you know these things come come to play. That's right. So. You need an oligarch to go and go and save the mm-hmm. day. I'm with you. I'm with that. I'm not mad at that, Gretchen. I'm not mad at all at that. The cool thing to see is that even though uh, things in California are definitely in a turmoil uh, on both sides of the market, permitted and non, quality continues. As a as a factor, and, and quality is beginning rise to the top of determining factors in cannabis acquisition, cannabis sales, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what: who you who, whose financial advisor you can be, uh, Matthew Saint Germain. You could be Justin Benson's financial advisor because he says I only take financial advice from people <laughs> who take mass amounts of LSD. Well, so, hedge canopy, then Justin. Yeah. <laughs> hedge canopy. <laughs> yeah, short them. I say just short them all. Short them all. But uh, we, we got one last uh, tail end story for you guys today. You guys ready for this? This is this is pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting. Because Minnesota, all of our stories were from the East Coast today. Interesting. Minnesota opens a search for a marijuana manager. 
That's right. The hunt is on for Minnesota's inaugural marijuana boss. The application period opened on Friday for the executive director position of the state's new Office of Cannabis Management, which will be the lead regulatory entity to oversee markets of hemp-related products and legal cannabis. Marijuana use by adults 21 and older will become legal in August, but a full retail market is likely a year or more away. Prospective leaders of the new division have until July 31st to apply for the position that will be f- that will be filled by Governor Tim-, Tim Waltz. Waltz intends to make an appointment by early fall, according to his office. A job posting notes the director, in quotes, will have responsibility for building a new state agency from the ground up and a and play a key leadership role in establishing and regulating an emerging new cannabis market in Minnesota. The director will guide efforts around compliance, licensure, uh, social equity, and relations with other levels of government. Minimum qualifications include eight years of professional experience in regulatory or oversight, public administration or other comparable service, and at least two years must have been in a high management role. Knowledge of the cannabis and hemp industry is also key. Other requirements include strong writing skills and public speaking skills. A background check is required, and pay will range from anywhere from $105,000 to $151,000 per year. Lawmakers considered requiring a cooling-off period that would have meant a person could not move right from the industry to the director's role, but that was ultimately left out of the final bill. In a quote, it's not really something we do in any other industry in the state, said State Senator Lindsey Port uh, D- from DFL Brunsville, said in May about removing the clause. In a lot of industries, we value experience in an industry when you come over to run an agency, they said. So cannabis people, you could actually apply for this job and you could actually possibly get it. But I'm willing to bet that the governor has already picked who's going to choose this role and they already know exactly who's going to get it. And they're probably even helping them with their application to apply. But nonetheless, who am I? I'm just some guy on the show. That's right. And this is Jason Beck for High and Nine News. What do you think, Chris? Would you apply for this job? No. No. I like uh, where I live. I think I, I think I think I think that being former law enforcement, you could say that that you had a regulatory uh, background, eight years, twelve plus. Yep. Um, I think though, revisit that comment about uh, you could not come directly from the industry, but then they removed that. Is that well, what, said? Uh, what? What they said is 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 that they were going to include that, but it did not get included in the final bill. And they said the reason they did not include it in the final bill is because no other industry they do that for. There you go. Right. So. Yes. I mean, don't you want the experience? I mean, it, I'll tell you right now, if I was if I was part of the hiring process, I would specifically look for people from the industry. Mm-hmm. Specifically. I mean, why why would we not? Well, it sounds like they're looking for someone from the regulator space because they want you to have that uh, that required uh, time in the regulatory space. And they said that if you are have familiar with the cannabis industry, then that would be an added bonus. No, I think you need to. I think you need to to know the industry inside and out, and 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 generally, I think the right person for this job, in my opinion, comes from the industry, not from uh, regulatory industry. What do you think? Well, Richard? and frankly, I think you're going to be hard up to find anyone with eight years of regulatory experience in this industry. So, unless you're an operator, 
No, well, they're they're, they're not they're not saying eight years in cannabis. They're saying eight years in in a regulatory yeah, position. Yeah, they want eight years in government is what they're looking for. Yeah, so that tells that, me you're not gonna find this in this crowd. Exactly. That tells that tells me Gretchen that the person is already chosen whoever is going to fill that role. I don't I think that's necessarily the case. Um, I just can't I'm wait to see to all the memes that come out when once Minnesota has a manager of cannabis. Oh. What? Say that again. I we only we only hear one person at a time. You want to listen to Salem? No. What what what'd you say, Matthew? I just said I can't wait for all the memes to come out once Minnesota has a manager of cannabis. Manager of cannabis. I speak Probably to the manager of cannabis. Please. They're gonna hire him. Oh, he oh, would yeah, be good. Dude. He would oh, crush. God. He's got he the is. regulatory experience. He does. Governor. He was the governor. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I'm so nervous. Oh man. <laughs> What about? It's the fun part about Minnesota politics. They just don't give an F. This could get entertaining. Oh man, well, you know, we we're I'm 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 entertained already. I'm entertained already. What do you guys nothing else? You guys got nothing else. I'm not moving to Minnesota. You're not moving to Minnesota? <laughs> nope. It's cold there. Cold. I think it's Minnesota, right? Well, yeah, I, I can't get the accent down either. Well, you know, I remember uh, when I was a kid and they were teaching us geography or whatnot in the fourth grade, they were like, Minnesota, if you look at it, at how it's shaped, it, if you put a little straw on the top of it, it looks like a Minnesota with it, like someone holding a grip around it. And that's how I always remembered it as Minnesota. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Just, wow. <laughs> the state of public education in this country. The state of public education. Yeah, this is America. That's right. We're going to be up. we're going to be celebrating it. It's, it's Michigan. <laughs> we're going to be celebrating it tomorrow. That's right. Big big day tomorrow. But anyways, thank you all for joining us and getting high at 9 with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience and supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the ever developing cannabis industry. Also, too, thank you to all of our sponsors today. We so, so much appreciate you. Thank you to our correspondents for being absolutely, truly amazing. And thank you to Cannabis Sativa L for giving us a reason to do all this. That's right. Thank you to Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, The 91 Club, and oh, yeah, Zaza Simone Brown. That's right. And, of course, thank you all for tuning in every day and getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show.